Welcome to the Make Learning Magical podcast. I am your host, Tisha Richmond. On this show, I chat with educators and thought leaders from around the world to hear stories of how they are transforming teaching and creating unforgettable learning experiences because we all have our own special magic. Welcome to the Make Learning Magical podcast. Today, I am thrilled to chat with Marshall Escamilla. After spending 17 years in classrooms, Marshall started podcasting full-time in 2020. Starting as a math teacher and migrating to a music teacher, he has taught nearly every academic subject in between except science. In 2015, he started co-hosting the Tumble Science Podcast for Kids with his brilliant and talented science journalist wife, Lindsay Patterson, bringing both his passion for education and general air of goofiness to the show. They live in Barcelona now with their two sons. I am really looking forward to our conversation today. Welcome, Marshall. Hi, well, thanks for having me. Oh, I'm really looking forward to talking with you. I discovered recently your amazing uh, Tumble podcast, so I really am looking forward to diving into that today. But would you like to share a little bit about yourself to our listeners? Yeah, so um, I guess I... I was a teacher in Austin, Texas for about uh, 13 years. Um, I worked at a small kind of Montessori-like private school there. Um, And I was originally hired to teach math, and then they didn't have a music program. And I happened to be a musician as well. So I just kind of offered to start teaching music classes. And then quickly, that became my full-time job. Um, But then, you know, it was one of those like kind of small entrepreneurial type of school situations where just like um, if something needed done, needed doing, there was like someone had to do it. And a lot of time that ended up being me. So at one point, you know, I taught a Spanish class. I taught in English literature class. I taught, um, uh, gosh, I think I taught social studies for a little bit. Um, Just did some admin work, did some like, like Dean of students type work, like just all kinds of stuff. Um, just because it was the kind of school where there was lots of stuff that needed doing and not so many people to do it. So, um, that, that was sort of my, my trial by fire in education for a while. Um, cause I, you know, I was also extremely young when I started teaching, I was around 23 and, you know, fresh out of college and, tons of passion and tons of passion for kids and for learning and teaching and no experience and no knowledge. And so I acquired it all on the job. Um, That's awesome. That's awesome. So you have had a lot of experience in a lot of different subjects and, and now you're living in Barcelona. So how did that come into being? (laughs) Well, so kind of, randomly out of the blue, I, I had arranged to play a house concert at uh, one of my colleagues house um, uh-huh. uh, where I was just playing guitar with a singer. And, you know, it was just kind of an intimate thing. And this colleague was a Spanish teacher. And so she, the, she was the head of the Spanish department at our school. And so she um, had a couple of her friends over from the department, like other Spanish teachers And my wife, Lindsay, was talking with one of the Spanish teachers. And, you know, like when you talk to a foreign language teacher or a music teacher, I think the topic of conversation that always comes up is, oh, I wish I'd learned the thing that you teach, but I never had. (laughs) 
Exactly. And so, you know, she said, I've always wanted to learn Spanish, but I never have been able to do it. And we've always wanted to kind of live in a Spanish speaking country, but like, there's just never been the opportunity. And he sort of like paused for a second and was like, well, that's funny. You should say that because this childhood friend of mine from Texas, um, lives in Barcelona where he has two sons and, you know, married a, a Spanish woman. And he's been wanting to bring his family back to, to Texas for a year. And maybe it'd be really interesting. Maybe you guys should get in touch and you can arrange a housing swap. No way. Yeah. And it, it was completely out of the blue. And it just, you know, we, we arranged a call and like met them over video chat. And then, you know, over the course of about a year. So this was around like, I want to say it was maybe 2015 or 2016 when we, when that party happened. And then over the course of the next year, we just arranged this house exchange where we were going to kind of take a year sabbatical and try to make the podcast go. And uh, that's what happened. (laughs) So That is amazing. And so you've been there ever since. Yeah. So, yeah. And yeah. then how did the housing thing work? Did you end up, are you still in the same house that you swapped? No, we've actually, I mean, uh, we've actually moved four times <laughs> since, okay. we, since we came here. Cause the, um, I mean, this, this story can, there, there are many levels of complexity we could go with this story. <laughs> okay. Um, but basically the, the first level is that we had basically made all the arrangements and, plans to be out of our house. And I already, you know, told my school that I wasn't going to be coming back in the fall and, um, all this stuff, we'd gotten our visa and then, um, our, you know, partner family, the, the Spanish woman couldn't get a, a American visa. Oh, wow. And she, she got, she got stymied, um, partially due to like, this was January of 2017 that she started applying. And so it was partially due to the administration change that gummed up the works a little bit with immigration, but also sort of it's, you know, I don't know how many of your listeners are familiar with what it's like to try to immigrate to the United States, but it ain't easy for anybody. And it wasn't easy before Trump, but it's not easy now, I'm sure. Right. So you know, she was married to an American citizen and had two American citizen sons. And it still took about 18 months just to get the paperwork processed. Oh my goodness. So anyway, so she, she got stymied and then we ended up having to like come to a completely other plan B. Mm -hmm. And then we went to our plan B and had an apartment. And then, um, as our year was kind of running up, cause we were only going to be there for a year or be here for Mm -hmm. a year we sort of decided that we hadn't quite gotten what we came here to get yet and um, decided to stay for another year. And then at that point she finally got her immigration status and was like, well, why don't we do the exchange we were going to do? So then we did. That's incredible. I love that story. I love just how opportunities kind of arise in our lives and we have the option to take them or not. Right. And (laughs) I love that you're like, yes, we're doing this. We are taking this opportunity and you did. And 
Um, I'm sure that that has led you on so many more adventures and led to so many more opportunities than you probably could have ever imagined. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly, so our son, our oldest son was three and our youngest son wasn't born yet at the time that we moved here. And I mean, I think the first opportunity is our oldest son is now, uh, he speaks three languages with, you know, seven-year-old fluency, whatever that is. So wow. I'll, I'll tell you, it's it's a trip hearing your kids speak a language you don't speak. Cause, oh, yeah. You know, here in Barcelona, like Barcelona is a bilingual city. So everybody mm-hmm. speaks Spanish, but then everybody also speaks Catalan. Mm-hmm. And all the, all the academic instruction is in Catalan. So he's been in a Catalan okay. school since he was three. Wow. And he speaks fluent Catalan and fluent Spanish. His Spanish is actually better than his Catalan, which I think says something about, you know, formal instruction. Right yeah, right, right. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, and, you know, I'll hear him speak Catalan with other Catalan speaking adults. And it's just like, wow, I have no idea what you're saying, six-year-old son of mine. Yeah, that's <laughs> amazing. And then, so you, you knew Spanish going uh, before you left for Spain, right? Cause you had had some time teaching. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I speak, I, I spoke at like a low level, I would say. Uh-huh. Like, I, I don't know if you're familiar with like the European language grading system. Um, but there's sort of like, there's, it goes A, B, C, where A is beginner and C is basically native speaker. And there's okay. two levels at each each grade. Okay. So I was probably like a, either an A2 or a B1 when we moved here. Okay. So, um, you know, I, I think now I'm maybe, I don't know, I, I've maybe made it up a level, but it's yeah. still... There, there are moments when I struggle for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then has Lindsay been able to learn? I mean, yeah. that was her major reason yeah. for wanting to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I That's mean, she, incredible. her Spanish, she's worked a lot harder on it than I have and uh-huh. has improved a lot more because she didn't, she didn't speak at all when we moved. Okay. Here. And now, you know, I would say she mostly understands and she's most like, she's able to get her way through uh, a right. day-to-day interaction. She still needs me to translate for like doctor visits and things like that. But, sure. But. sure. That's incredible. I love it. I love it. So when you were um, planning this move, that was about the time that your podcast was launching or it was in development stages. So that was back in 2015, correct? Yeah. Well, we launched in 2015 and okay. we started planning the move maybe a year or two later. Okay. Um, yeah. But so like by that time there'd already been uh, some indication that there was a real hunger for kids, educational podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause at the point we started, there was only one other educational kids podcast that wow. was of any, you know, note. Um, it pr- pretty much everything else that was out there was stories or whatever. That's, you know, sure. so, um, you know, we'd already gotten some pretty positive feedback from our audience and some pretty solid audience growth before we left mm-hmm. wow. and, and what we were, what we were hoping to do while we were here. And in some ways, 
you know, I mean, besides all the like adventure language learning, like have our kids have an immersive language experience kind of thing. There was also the, like, it's a lot easier to take the risk of jumping into that sort of entrepreneurial creative field in a place that has affordable health insurance. Um, so we, I mean, here we do have private health insurance here in Spain, but it is, it is maybe a quarter to a fifth as expensive as it would have been in Austin. And that's not even like our plan has a zero deductible too. So. Wow. Like that's significant. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a big deal. And you know, if you're going to take that leap in terms of an entrepreneurial thing, I I mean, I think health insurance is what holds most people back from doing that in the United States, I think. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. That's incredible. I, I would love to just kind of hear how you got started um, really developing this, this concept, this idea, and then talk a little bit about what it is, because I have spent some time exploring uh, this week, your your website and and listening to some of the podcasts. And it's really incredible. And as someone who's always like wheels spinning, thinking of magical ways to, um, you know, magical ways to bring learning uh, to students, I all of these ideas kept swirling around in, in my mind. And so I, I just would love to for you to share with the listeners a little bit about that journey and, and what it is. And then I'd love to dive into some ways that teachers can use this sure. uh, in their remote or brick and mortar classrooms. Yeah. 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 Um, well, I mean, so t- I guess to go back to how it developed, right. Is, yeah. you know, my, my wife, Lindsay was, um, she was a journalist and then, she kind of got her start at a show called earth and sky, which okay. is, uh, a science. Um, it's, it's a science show. They do 90 second radio spots on a lot of NPR shows. I, I, I don't know if they still do that, but back then they, um, they did and they were on, you know, Austin's NPR affiliate. And so anyway, she, she got that job sort of straight out of college and, had always wanted to be a journalist and was a creative writing major and, um, but had always hated science pretty much her whole life. Mm -hmm. But then when she was working this job and talking to scientists about what they were actually doing and what they were learning and all that, she, she like it finally clicked for what science actually was. And Mm -hmm. she sort of learned that what she'd been taught she didn't hate science. She hated the way she'd been taught science that she sort of felt like it was just a bunch of facts in a book. And the people who were good at science were the ones who memorized the facts in the book best. And the people who were bad at it were the ones who, you know, didn't memorize the facts in the book. And when she actually was talking to scientists, it was this whole exciting process of creativity and discovery and curiosity Mm -hmm. and like, you know, there was just so much that even these incredibly, you know, I mean, she was talking to very high level experts in lots of fields. And there was so much that they would say about their field that they're like, we have no idea. 
We have yeah. no idea what the answer to this question is, and we're trying to find it out, but we don't even know if the way we're trying to find it out is the way that is going to create the breakthrough, right. you know? Um, so anyway, so that, that was her sort of story. And she eventually left earth sky. And, um, at the point that we were developing the show, she was doing something completely else. Like she was doing, you know, media communication for, a a, a company and was just kind of bored, <laughs> like really, really bored at her job and what not loving it. And she, like, I, I remember she came home one day, this is shortly after our oldest Emmett was born. Um, and she came, like, she finished her maternity leave and came home from work one day and was just like, what? we should make a science podcast for kids. And we should That's really, awesome. like, really try to counteract the, like, really try to make it um, tell the stories of science the way that she knows they can be told for kids mm-hmm. and kind of try to counteract the, that feeling that so many kids get, that just, it's a bunch of facts in the book. And like, you know, I might be curious about something, but somebody's already figured it out. So like, why bother, you know? Yeah. I, you know, I so resonate that so resonates with me and I think you're so right. I think that that, and I think it's with, with a lot of subjects, right? I think a lot of us, we, um, we have feelings about certain subjects based on how we were taught them as kids. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I mean, that's how math is for me. I really struggle um, with math to this day, but I think about that. And if my experience as a kid was different, I'm sure I would have a much different perspective and appreciation for math than I, I do today. And I think so much of science really is like tapping into that wonder and curiosity. Mm-hmm. And the, like you said, the discovery and creativity. And I think that's what I really appreciate when I listen to those episodes that you have is that that is what it's all about. It's about yeah. that tapping into that sense of wonder and curiosity and and even the the titles of the episodes really grab your interest. Like there's one on um, do trees fart? Like what kid would not want to know that you know and the answer to that question, right? And so I think that 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 is um, that is so wonderful that you have had you have that in mind. Like how can we tap into students' wonder and create? In, in curiosity and really um, make science engaging and fun and interactive and, and have it be this, this, this um, search for, you know, for meaning and discovery and all of those, I, all of those things. I think that that is, is so cool. And um, again, like good for Lindsay for like holding on, like seeing an opportunity and, and going for it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. first she, she sends your family to, to Barcelona and now she's sending <laughs> you on this adventure. <laughs> to yeah. Podcast. Mean, yeah. And yeah. And she, you know, she already had all the chops to, to make, uh, make the show good. You know, she, she knew how to do audio. She knew how to edit audio. She knew how to. She knew how to write for radio, which is really key. Like she'd been trained for, uh, you know, j- j- just trained to do that, you know. So 
we we had, I think, an advantage over a lot of people who started podcasts and that, you know, she was already a highly skilled professional when we began. And, you know, that that could overcome a lot of my shortcomings as the like the the, the goofus that I am and not, <laughs> not not knowing what I was talking about. Well, what a great pairing, though, right? Because you're bringing her experience, you know, in communication and and all of her background knowledge and editing and all of that that, and then you're bringing your experience as an educator into mm-hmm. it. And, and who doesn't want some goofiness, right? Like that's what makes it fun. Like you need that element too. So that is a a, definitely a skill set that you were able to bring to the table. So it sounds like just a a perfect pairing of all of your, your skills coming together. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think like the, you know, I mean, so as a teacher, something I really think is that, you know, kids are so naturally joyful yeah. You know, they're just so you get a room full of kids together and it's like it's it's a party in in a way that like adults just we don't have access to that level of fun, you know. And totally. and I really do think that if we're doing our jobs right as educators, that that spirit is still there. Yes. That it's not, you know, it's so easy to make things inert and you know, oh they need to sit down and shut up and like they, they need the, and, and kids do need discipline. Like I'm not going to, I'm not going to yeah. knock that at all, but it's, you know, I, I, it, it harms my soul to see them being squished, you know, to like to go into a classroom and it's like, well, everyone's quiet and everyone's disciplined and everyone's focused and on task. That's great. But these kids are, are seven. What's yeah. Where's the joy. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. Yes. And you know, I, I used to joke uh, in my district that really my hidden title is joy specialist because nice. that's really like I might be a tech integration specialist or a learning management coordinator, but really my heart is that I want to specialize in joy and bringing joy to teaching yeah. and learning. And I so agree. Like, and we want our kids to experience joy in learning forever, right? Like learning, Mm -hmm. as you and I know, like it doesn't end, like we're continually learning and growing and we find joy in it. We want our kids to have so much joy learning as kids that they have that same hunger and thirst for learning as they grow grow older. And so how can we as educators foster that? So learning is not something that's that's painful. <laughs> you want it to be fun. Yeah. Or even like the, you know, there's times like, you, you know, I did, um, I, my favorite classes. Well, I shouldn't say this, but I, I, I really enjoyed calculus in college. Right. And it was painful as all get out. Like I remember finishing this one problem that took me like four pages to do. And it like to say it was fun is maybe not be accurate. I don't don't think there's anyone like even the most mathy person wouldn't say like, Oh, sure. Deriving E to the, the, like the first 11 digits of E is fun. I mean, maybe some people are, but (laughs) (laughs) But there is like a a satisfaction and a drive to it. That's really important to harness. And I think, you know, if you're starting from a place of this is, joyful and fun, then I think it's easy to get to that state of willingness to do the work because you know there's something in it for you in the end. Yes, exactly. And I think that that too, 
um, can sometimes be a misconception is that people think that for something to be um, enjoyable, that you're losing out on the the challenge, the, I don't know, the rigor of it. Right. And that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. Like you can have fun and and have enjoyable learning and it still be really um, challenging and rigorous and all of those things. Like it doesn't have to be devoid of, of, of an enjoyable experience. And so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're definitely speaking the, the same language on that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So maybe you can share um, with the listeners what they're going to find when they look for this podcast. Um, it, it's it's available on all of the mm-hmm. all of the places, right? Apple Podcasts and Google and Spotify, and then there's also a site where you can find mm-hmm. access to all the the episodes as well. And so maybe explain a little bit about what kind of goes into designing these. I think you referred to them as stories before. What do you think about when you're designing these stories? What are you wanting to bring to the table for students um, in each of these episodes? Yeah. Well, so we have, um, we have a basic format that we follow that, you know, not every episode follows it to a T, but there's, there's a basic idea. So, um, we get a lot of listener questions, um, from, from kids and most of our listeners are, you know, I'm going to say maybe five to 10. That's the age range. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we get a lot of listener questions. And when we have our listeners submit questions, we ask them to not just send their question, you know, and their question might be, you know, why do owls hunt at night? Um, but also to tell us what they think the answer might be mm. and how scientists would find out. So they give Got us it. those three pieces just to begin with. And then what we do is we go to a scientist with their question and um, try to get those other two pieces, you know, what the answer is, but then also like, what was the process of finding out? And usually what we try to do a lot of the time is talk to a scientist about the research that they've done or that they're Mm -hmm. actively doing. Um, And, try to find a scientist who has a similar question, mm-hmm. um, you know, who, whose research question is aligned to what kids are asking. Sure. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, if, if it's one of those types of questions where like, you know, maybe all the relevant research is 200 years old or whatever, mm-hmm. um, we try to get the answer, but then also get like, okay, well, what is, what questions are we working on now? Mm-hmm. what's the, what's the next thing that you're looking for? And, you know, as much as possible, we try to get scientists to sort of tell the story of their own research. Right. Right. Um, so that, that's the majority of what the, what the show will be. And usually it'll, you know, it'll kind of form the normal story arc. And then at the end, there's often a kind of like, sort of summing up about like, what does this mean about the process of science? This Mm -hmm. whole, this whole story you've heard. And then, and then we end with a, 
a call to action for the listener. So something something you can do to sort of participate with what we just talked about. Yeah. I love that you you follow the story arc. And I love that they're all um they're designed in a way like most of them are like 16 ish Mm -hmm. to 20 ish around there minutes. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's a really great um, chunk, but then I was thinking as I was listening to them, they could be divided up in a, in a number of ways, right? Like you could, you could um, start with a, like the first little chunk and then you could have a learning activity and then you could, you know, have the other chunk. It doesn't have to be just um, listened to in one set, you know, sitting. Mm -hmm. And then I also loved just how artistically and creatively the stories are put together. And so this is, we were talking about the skill sets that came together for this earlier and music is Mm -hmm. part of your story. I mean, that is something that you have taught. It's something that you're really skilled at. And so in each of these segments, Marshall's music, like he's created the music for that, for this, and it's, it's beautiful. And it's just very um, intentionally woven into the stories in a way that's engaging and captures your interest. And uh, so I was really, I was really fascinated by that and, and kind of captivated by that. And I was thinking as a kid listening like I would, um, like it does tap into that sense of wonder and curiosity, even as an adult. So how much more so, you know, as a kid that's, that's listening um, to it. And I also, uh, like I mentioned before, uh, I love the titles because those grabbed my interest, <laughs> right? Like I wanted to know, do trees fart? Like I need to know this answer, you know, or yeah. I need to know like the process that's going into I- inquiring about this. And uh, so I, I, think I, I can tell you a lot about that if you want. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I would love to hear. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that, it's really I mean, fascinating. first of all, I think Lindsay would be thrilled to know how much you like the titles because she spends a lot of time <laughs> on them. Um, That's awesome. And, and she, she really, I think she takes a lot of pride in giving mm-hmm. the, each episode um, uh, a grabbing title. Um, but with the, with the tree farts episode, I mean, the, you know, that, that (laughs) besides being, you know, kind of like, kind of hilarious. And I have to say, as you know, usually when I make the music for an episode, I always try to incorporate some element of the, of the, the research into that one. So, you know, for that episode, I'll tell you this story and then we can talk about the content of that episode. But for that okay. episode, the researcher had sent me a bunch of field recordings. Like for some reason she was just recording herself whenever she was out on the field. So there, mm-hmm. there were these audio files that were like four hours long or something like that. And wow. she had, I don't know, 30 of them. or something. <laughs> like, And I was like, okay, I'm not going to comb through a right. uh, hundred hours of audio, but I will listen to one in, you know, I, I listened for about 30 minutes and like just grabbed out all the moments that sounded uh, interesting. And I, I built them into um, uh, a kind of like a drum kit and also took some of her her readings that she was making. You know, she'd say like oxygen, 14.2 helium, but, or not helium, but anyway. Yeah. Um, 
I, I took her readings and in the, the music software that I use is Logic Pro X. And you can take an audio file and uh, kind of chop it up in such a way that you can uh, make it pitched. Okay. So I was taking her voice and uh, I kind of made it so she was singing her readings and kind of turned that into the the foundation for what became all the music that we used in that episode. So that, that was, that, that, that part was really fun. And then also um, I got to compose cause there was a section where, you know, Lindsay was like, I want it to sound like a bedtime story. So can you make like a bedtime type thing? And so I made like a little lullaby, but then um, also, just downloaded every fart sound I could find <laughs> um, and, and got, I, I don't know. I think I got like seven or eight different fart sounds that then I kind of like put in, put in time to the music so that then, you know, it begins with this very lovely lullaby and then midway through the, you start hearing like, <laughs> and it, it was, I, I think I, I haven't made anything better in my entire career as a composer <laughs> than that. <laughs> that is fantastic. Well, and I think, wasn't it like your 100th episode? Yeah. I, I think I saw that was your 100th. Yeah, that's, that's a perfect one then yeah. to have that be your, your 100th episode. That is yeah. fantastic and so fun. I'm sure that's so fun for you to be able to tap into your own creativity and skill set. I mean, that I know for me, that's what brings me so much joy. And what I do is when I can really get into that creative part of my brain and, and have fun with what I'm doing. Yeah. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. Or even, you know, just like, it's been a fun adventure for me, because I think just, you know, we were talking about lifelong learning, right? The, yeah. I think every episode we've done, like all 100 of them now, I've tried to learn some new production technique, or some new composition technique, or some new you know, something new that I didn't know before. Yeah. Um, and that, that's, that's been an incredible journey. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would love to kind of dive into how you anticipate teachers or how you know of teachers using this, this amazing content that you've created. I know as I was listening, as I mentioned earlier, I was thinking of different ways um, that it could be used in learning. I was thinking about like automatically I thought about Flipgrid and how you Mm -hmm. can incorporate, you know, the, the audio into that and have students reflect. So I'd love for you just to share what are, what are some ideas that you have for bringing this to, to the classroom? Well, so I think, I mean, the first thing I want to say is that, you know, if you're talking about a remote learning situation, which I know so many of us have been kind of forced into in the past 18 months, um, if, if you're talking about a remote learning situation, like there are a couple of advantages to using a podcast over other means of content delivery. So like um, the first is it's not necessarily screen based, you know, mm-hmm. and I think like I've definitely heard a lot of kids and teachers where they just feel like they're sitting in zoom calls all day. Yeah. And then, and then they have homework or something where they have to watch a video and it's exhausting. And I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of screen burnout and there's, I, I know there's a lot of anxiety from parents about, how much time their kids are sitting parked in front of a computer. So 
one big advantage of using a podcast or audio content is it can be screen free, right? Mm-hmm. So it could be a way to deliver content without forcing kids to be changed to a screen. So like they can take a phone on a walk and go outside. Um, they can put it on a speaker and like do the dishes or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, so if you're doing that, um, if you're doing it remotely, I think that's one thing I would definitely think about is kind of utilizing a podcast or something like it um, to deliver content in some way. Yeah. You know, like if you find, if you're teaching history, like there's ton, tons of great history podcasts out there. Um, if you're teaching science, you know, we have, we have episodes that align with a lot of, uh, NGSS standards, but also other, you know, state standards. We have stuff about ecosystems. We have stuff about planets. We have stuff about space. Like if, if you want to do, if you want to do assign one of our episodes, just as listening instead of reading or instead of watching that, that could be a way to get your kid, kids moving not chained to the computer. Yes. So, I love, I love that. And I, I think too, when we can just um, rely on our, our audio and, and not the visual, it allows us to imagine, right. Mm-hmm. And we're able yeah. to picture and visualize and something that I have really loved in either the last really six or seven years, I brought it to my classroom with my kids was sketch noting. Mm-hmm. And having them sketch note, like when I would do demonstrations, and really the whole idea of sketch noting is is kind of bringing in those um, text and doodles together to be able to capture the learning. And so, um, for me, as somebody who's always really struggled with focusing, that was a game changer for me to be able to sketch note my learning and combine the doodles and the in the images and the and the text together and it allows for that dual coding right mm-hmm. and and i was thinking as i was listening this would be fantastic to partner with sketch noting and having students sketch note parts of the audio you know and it could it doesn't have to be all in one chunk it could be in in different chunks but then also i loved how you said you know they're going on a walk or washing the dishes. Like this can be coupled, um, you know, with other activities that we would naturally do. And again, yeah. while that's happening, students' imaginations are, are able to um, really, I don't know, take hold of the content and visualize it in a way that is not possible when you're watching something in a video format. Yeah, no, I I think that's totally true. And I think, you know, another great advantage about audio only is it's, it's really immersive in a way that um, other forms of content delivery are not, Mm -hmm. you know, you can really, if, if you put on a pair of headphones and are just listening, you can really get into something in a very deep way. And I think because it's engaging the imagination and that sort of stuff. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so uh, last summer we developed a interactive audio course that was kind of guiding kids through um, what we called an indoor safari. It was paired with our episode called the wildlife of your home, which is all about the, the numerous 
insects and whatnot that live in human houses and oh, wow. have evolved to live in human houses, which is amazing and mind blowing. Yeah, um, and terrifying a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, so some of the some of the creatures I learned about are terrifying, but I'll tell you, you know, like in in the process of making this thing, I definitely developed a kind of you know, I managed to switch off the like you gross part of my brain and yeah. and turn on the like wow, these are amazing part of my brain. Totally. Like I I'm crazy into drain flies in a way that I never would have expected to be into. Um, I didn't even know that was a thing. Drain flies. Guaranteed you have them in your house and you've seen them without even noticing. They, they look like teeny, like moths that are like the size of the the tip of your fingernail. And they're, wow. Anyway, they're really cool. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'll take, I'll take your word for it. And now I'm going to be curious to learn more about these. (laughs) Yeah, no, no. I mean, check, check them out. they, they, they lay eggs in your drain and then they eat all the toothpaste you spit out and then kind of emerge as these tiny little moths. Um, oh my goodness. But, but anyway, <laughs> the, so in the, in that course, what we really did, you know, we really tried to take advantage of the immersive nature of audio and how yeah. it, if, if you're listening, you can also be doing So Mm -hmm. you can give instructions and say like, you know, okay, go into your bathroom, look in your drain, take out your magnifying glass. What do you see? Mm -hmm. Take notes. Here's something you might see. Here's a scientist Mm -hmm. talking about what kind of, you know, how to identify certain creatures that might be living in that drain, you know? And so um, because of that, like they can do while they're listening, which, you know, I mean, all of us who've had kids sitting in front of cartoons know that like there is no other activity yeah. that is happening while the cartoons are on. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you can really sort of take advantage of that and maybe give them assignments to do or to complete mm-hmm. while they're listening. Right. I I'm, yeah, absolutely. I'm a huge advocate for, um, teachers. I mean, especially in remote situations, using audio lectures or Mm -hmm. using audio to share with their kids instead of just videos that they're sending for a flip grid or something like that. Cause you can, you can really take advantage of that. It's personal, it's intimate, it's, you know, it's immersive, it's engaging in a way that other forms of media just aren't. Right. And it's accessible from anywhere, right? Yes. Like you, yeah. that's another part. And I think especially right now as we're, you know, in this world of, you know, anywhere learning really where we, ha- we have to make learning accessible wherever our students are. Um, it's that's, that's powerful. And yeah. I think you're so right. I love that whole idea of being able to to listen and do at the same time. And you're absolutely right. Like you can't do that when you're watching a video. Like you can you can watch a video, stop it, and then do. Mm-hmm. But to be able to actually couple the two together and listen and do at the same time, I mean, that is something that this is allowing you to do, uh, which is really, really powerful. I yeah. That. Yeah. I mean, it's and you know, when we designed that course, which people I mean, if people are interested in, you know, bringing that course in their classroom, they 
they can email me and we'll we'll send them a way to do it. Maybe maybe you can put my email in the show notes or something. Absolutely. Um but you know we we really would you know we'd give it an instruction like okay go do this go look here and then you could play music for a couple of minutes while the mm-hmm. the the kids go do the thing you told them to do. Um particularly you know in that in that course there was um there, there were moments when they had to like go collect bug corpses from their windowsills oh, um, wow. and then kind of go through them with a toothpick. And, you know, and meanwhile, the, the scientist is guiding them through like how to, how to uh, catalog what they're seeing and what things to look for and how to classify certain organisms and what they, what they might be and so on and so forth. So it's really, you know, like we'd give an instruction, like, you know, use your toothpick to separate out the various creatures you see and then pause music plays for about a minute. And then I come back in with another instruction or the scientist comes back in or. That's so cool. And that's just really making science accessible, right. To kids and things that it kind of makes their, the world around them come to life, like things that they would have never thought of before, you know, they wouldn't have ever thought twice about that bug corpse on their windowsill. And all of a sudden they're like, Oh my goodness, this is fascinating. And they're yeah. they're able to explore and it just, it brings meaning to the world around them, which is amazing. I love that. And I, I think right now, like I, I said before, to stu- a lot of students are still learning from, from home. I mean, there mm-hmm. are parts of our world and country where we're back in classrooms, but there's still a lot of places where they're not yet and they are learning from home. And so to be able to learn in their own environment, you know, where they're living uh, is, is really, really cool. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, yeah. And we're working on more like audio like explicitly for the classroom type of audio content like that, um, that will be out probably. Well, I think we're going to start working on the next one in the summer. And we have a couple of, couple of things I can't quite talk about yet. will Hopefully be, be coming out soon. Super exciting. Yeah. I am really excited about the potential for audio for education and for yeah, just using it to solve, I think a lot of problems that people are facing right now. And that yeah. I think, you know, I mean, the pandemic's eventually going to be over and we're all going to go back to, you know, some form, something sort of like what we were doing before, but I don't, I don't think it's ever going to go all the way back. I think there's, right. there's some, there's some cats that have been let out of the bag. With yeah. This. Absolutely. I think you're, you're so right. And I would love, so listeners who are listening right now going, oh my goodness, I can't wait to see what's coming or hear what's coming. How can they be in tune? Like how can they make sure that they don't miss out on whatever is going to be released? Well, I think, you know, you could go to our website, sciencepodcastforkids.com, where we'll be announcing stuff as it, as it comes out. Um, There's also a, Tumble is active on Twitter and Facebook okay. and to a lesser extent, Instagram. Um, yeah. But yeah, we, we put all of our big announcements up there. We also put them in our, um, 
in our shows when we release them, uh, there's always a little, uh, I usually do like a two minute announcement before we actually get to the show. Um, thanking all of our supporters on Patreon and then also, uh, saying whatever the, whatever it is we've got going on. That's fantastic. That's so awesome. And I, I mean, you're so right. I mean, our educational landscape has changed and though the pandemic will one day be over, there's definitely things that are going to uh, change the way that, yeah. you know, that teaching and learning looks from, from here on out. And um, it's been, I, and I've always ever, you know, since this all started, I just keep holding on to the, the hope and the um, kind of possibility that we have been all thrust into this very messy uh, type of learning over the, you know, this past year. And it's been super difficult and challenging, but wow, have we grown through it? Mm-hmm. I know I have, I've grown yeah. so much yeah. and, um, and I know that, that I am going to be a better educator because of it, even though it's been, it's been hard and, and difficult. Um, there's also <laughs> yeah. the hope of, of all the innovation that's happened and what that means uh, for the future. So, so awesome. And and what does, what is it like in Barcelona right now? I'm just curious with, with the pandemic, what is, what are your schools like right now? Yeah. Like what is happening? Well, I mean, so one thing, and, and this actually factors into why we're still here right now because we were planning on moving back to Chicago in uh this fall that we ended up not um and the a big part of that was that schools here have been pretty much open all school year okay um that something I I'm I'm not going to say the Spanish government has done a perfect job of managing the Mm -hmm. pandemic or even necessarily a good job Mm-hmm. But one thing I do really appreciate is um, after after being in a real, I mean, Spain had the most intense lockdown in the world in I remember that yeah. in March and April. Um, I think it was sixty days where basically you would get a five hundred dollar ticket if you just were out on the street without a good reason to be there. Wow! Um, so. And and that was 60 days. It was, it was intense. Wow. Um, And children weren't allowed out (laughs) like at, for any reason. That is intense. Um, Yeah. So after doing that, when the fall came around, I think the, they have been really clear that keeping schools open was priority number one. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, everything else would be shut down first, which is, um, which is good. And, and definitely something that I have appreciated as a parent of two young children for whom remote, I mean, you know, my son, right. My oldest right now is in first grade and my youngest is not yet Mm. two. And for kids that age remote, it's, that's, it's just not possible. It doesn't, it doesn't work. So um, it's been really very nice, <laughs> very yeah. nice to have school be in place. And I think they've had pretty reasonable, pretty reasonable prevention measures at the school. Like they take the temperature okay. every day. The windows are always open. I mean, 
That's great. The the architecture in Spain, it's pretty easy to get ventilation going because that's how everything is um, because it never gets cold here. Yeah. Um, So that it's, it's, it's been good in that respect. I think, you know, in other ways it's been, you know, I, I I will tell you March and April was intense. I think it was still less intense than my first year of teaching, but it was intense. Right. (laughs) Oh, I, I can't, I can't even imagine, but probably because of that, you're, you were so much better off in the long run and were able to open schools without that intensity. Maybe that wouldn't have been yeah, maybe. possible. I don't know. But yeah. wow, well, we can learn a lot from you. <laughs> so we, uh, we're we all moving to kind of a hybrid learning situation here in Oregon. We have been remote since March. And so now just bringing kids back into buildings again and um it's been a long, long stretch, and uh, we're really excited to to see kids in in schools again. So, wow, yeah. that that's pretty incredible. Well, I would love to go to Barcelona someday. To Spain, <laughs> I've never been to Spain. I've been all over Europe, um, okay. but I haven't been to Spain. So that definitely is on uh, my list of places to go. So, have you ever? Hear your someone knocking on your door. Why <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, have you give give me a tour? <laughs> one, one way or another, hit me up for restaurant recommendations because uh, assuming they're all still around, sadly, um, I, I, I yeah. know some great places. I bet you do. I bet you do. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you. I am just thrilled about what you have, what you've done and what you've created for educators, for students everywhere. And I know myself am going to be listening to lots more episodes and sharing it with the teachers in our district so that they can experience the awesomeness. So um, I really am excited too, to uh, hear what's coming. So I will definitely be tuning in. You'll have to let me know of what's on the horizon. That is very, very exciting. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, it's been awesome. Can you just one more time share out with the listeners how they can find you? I know you mentioned it before and we'll put it in the show notes, but for those who didn't catch it the first time. Yeah, you can find the, our, our website is sciencepodcastforkids.com. Um, and you can also find Tumble Science Podcast for Kids on any podcatcher, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever you, uh, where, wherever you listen. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much and have a magical day, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Make Learning Magical podcast. I hope you are inspired by this episode and encouraged to find new ways to bring magic into teaching and learning. You can connect with me on Twitter at Tish Rich, Instagram at Tish Richmond, or on my website at tisharichmond.com. Please use the hashtag MLMagical to share thoughts about this episode. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and tune in next week for another magical episode.